Good evening and welcome to the Muller Time Podcast. I hope all of you are doing well. Well, uh, it was quite a day, wasn't it? I'd, uh, I'd like to first start by just thanking Special Counsel Muller for his work. And I don't think that I, you know, I don't mean to speak for all of you or any of you at all, but I think that we all kind of agree. Like the man in a two-year investigation, I think did an amazing job. Okay. So today for many people was a challenging day and I will get into that in a second, but you know, I just want to say in general, in a, in a two-year span, he managed to indict 37 people. Uh, There were hundreds of criminal charges. He showed us exactly what happened in this election and how the Russians hacked it and their names and their, their ranks and the addresses they were in. This was an incredible investigative effort. And I just want to say too, besides thanking him and the sacrifices that he and everyone else in that office made, that this is far from over. So, you know, all today I've been hearing from family and friends and some people, you know, have a positive way of looking at things and some people were not quite as positive. So, just remember that what happened today, this is far from over, okay? Um, I'd also like to take a second just to thank our newest Patreons. That's a weird segue, huh? It's like, a, hey, uh, today was crazy. And uh, also, I want to thank my man, Brian, and also Donna. Uh, really appreciate you guys supporting the show. And if anyone else wants to support it, what a weird segue. It's at uh, patreon.com backslash time. And Brian's out there in one of those red states, and he occasionally sends me some uh, messages about, uh, you know, what it's like to be uh, one of us amongst uh, uh, politically a group that feels slightly differently. So always, always appreciate that. So today was not the Mueller report, right? You may be watching TV and the coverage and be a little frustrated by the way various people are spinning it and even the way some journalists are spinning it. This is not the Mueller report. And as I said in a piece that I wrote on medium, excuse me, medium.com, this is just the end of the beginning. That's all it is. Okay. We haven't seen the Mueller report and we have to see the Mueller report. That's extraordinarily important. Okay. What we saw today was a four page document. That's really about three pages. If you take out all the signatures and all the you know, the stuff at the top. It's a three-page document written by a Trump supporter named William Barr. That's what it is. So again, I know today was really challenging for a lot of you, and I just want you to put that in perspective. You haven't seen the Mueller report. You haven't seen the evidence. I read that letter many times, and I went through, walking around today, I went through my head, all the things that have happened as best I could. I talked to a couple lawyers And the conclusion I came to was that I don't really know what happened today. And I'm not going to pretend that I know. I guess if I was hosting like, you know, a daily hour show on MSNBC, then that's why these people just have to talk and I get it. But when I was thinking about what I was going to do on this show today, I kept, you know, I was batting ideas around. And then I kind of stopped. I was like, wait a minute, I don't know what happened today. What I, and I'm telling you, I was messaging like, or, you know, my lawyer friend, and he's telling me about what it takes to prove a conspiracy and this and that. And then I just stopped and I'm like, wait a second, you know what happened here? I mean, you know, it's, it's like, it's like 1984, right? Like the, what the party told you that you see with your eyes, you know, it's not what you're seeing. We know what happened. 
So maybe it's just that I'm not a lawyer or something that I don't understand, but this story is not finished because what we know, what's in the public eye, is not what happened today, right? I mean, the guy literally looked into a tel- into a television camera and said, Russia, if you're listening, and then add the 50 billion things that happened before and after that, right? The Trump Tower meeting, Mike Flynn uh, changing the platform of the RNC about the Ukraine, uh, Roger Stone communicating with WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks itself, Julian Assange. Like, So again, rather than stand up here and say that I know exactly what happened, I'm just going to say, I don't know. And there's a lot that's that's going to happen. And again, I just really want to thank Special Counsel Mueller for, and, and his team for an incredible job. Now we're going to get that report, okay? Today, what I look at it, and for me, this was a challenging week in a number of ways, not just Mueller, but just in general. What I think is that we're, today is a day. It's a moment in time. That's all it is. And everyone's got something to say. And the, the newspapers have their big headlines. And some people are taking victory laps, which is annoying. But let me tell you something. You may be seeing some of those people who are taking their victory laps. But tonight, the people who work in that White House, they're going to go to bed and they're going to stare up at the ceiling and they're going to know in their heart that what's coming is coming and it's not going to stop, right? It's like that movie, No Country for Old Men. Remember that? What You can't stop what's coming, right? So not only are we going to find out what happened with Trump Russia, there's also about, what, 17 investigations that are going on in the Southern District the state attorney general of New York. And I don't want to minimize what happened today that I want to know. We all need to know what happened with Trump Russia. And not just about justice, it's about the truth. That's the point. Because the most dangerous thing about this administration is that they want to hide the truth. And they want to they want to warp your mind so you don't know what the truth is anymore. And that's why we need to find out. So again, I'll just say it one more time. Rather than give you a concise understanding of what happened today, I'm just going to say that I don't know it yet, and we're going to find out. Now, William Barr is a Trump supporter, right? So in that way, it's sort of like that judge, right? That crazy judge who presided over the Manafort. I almost feel like saying crazy is like mean, but and but he, he is. Like he said, he's a nut, right? So that guy was a Trump supporter. And William Barr... He's a huge Trump supporter. William Barr was attorney general like almost before I was born or maybe I guess I was young. This guy, th- think about how crazy this guy is, right? Because when you look at some people, you know, appearances can be deceiving. The guy, you know, suit and tie, measured voice, a good reputation for some people, They the things they said about him. This is a guy who's 70 something years old when most people would just want to be spending time with their family you know, whatever, golfing, (laughs) golfing, another thing that'll never be the same because of this idiot in the White House. So William Barr is at home and he thinks, you know what I really want? After all this has happened, I want to be attorney general for Donald Trump. I mean, think about how crazy that is. (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. And then on top of that, so unsolicited and I'm sure you know this already. This is how he got the job. He wrote a like 30 page, like one of those like friend of the court memos 
involving that the Trump administration was having some case that spoke to the larger issue of executive power. So William Barr, again, sitting at home, you know, what should I do today? Should I, uh, you know, go do something with my wife? Should I go, uh, you know, play with my grandkids? No, I think I'm just going to write a friend of the court thing for Donald Trump as an audition piece. So I've said many times on this show how dangerous I thought he was. And I was hoping I was wrong. Unfortunately, I wasn't. So that's what happened today. We don't know what happened with the Mueller investigation. We don't know if he was stopped or we don't know if, like I said, we don't know. But Barr took the Mueller report, what he was given, and wrote an insane four-page, again, three pages when you take out all the signatures, piece that says that Donald Trump did not conspire, collude, whatever you want to use. Neither did the campaign. And then, as if that's not suspicious enough, the part that jumped out at me right away, and a lot of other people, was that Mueller didn't make a conclusion about obstruction of justice, right? So that's weird. Again, I approach everything as a non-lawyer, but I, like a lot of people, like you, I looked at it and I said, wait a minute. I don't understand. Like, Mueller... In, in like some of the initial indictments, he gave you the ranks and the addresses and even who was logged into what computer at what time, thousands of, mile away, thousands of miles away in Russia. So the man has an attention to detail, to say the least. So I don't understand. All these things happened, 37 indictments, criminal charges, uh, you know, fanning out across the world, all these arrests, convictions. Even right now with what happened today, this is the most special, uh, the most successful special counsel investigation in American history. So you're telling me all that thing, all those things happen right up to the most powerful person he indicted, the national security advisor of the United States, Mike Flynn. And then he just stopped. Just, hey, that's it. It, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense. And obstruction of justice, of course he obstructed justice. Firing calming was obstruction of justice. So that kind of segues what I, into what I want to say is that it is time for rapid response. I did put out the call on my Twitter or the Mueller Time Twitter, Facebook. I, you know, these things are, I'm not really like an organizing type of guy. I do try to put out the call, but I wish it was today, but it should have been tomorrow or whenever it is. But we need to be out there. If it's the streets, on your social media, we need to see the Mueller report. Now, there's been many. Um, there's there's been a number of times where we have gotten into the streets and we have uh, protested, and you know we've used our voices. But and those are all important. But this is really, I think, the first time. Even the Protect Mueller rally, I didn't know if they would fire him. I was concerned, but this to me feels real. They are going to try to bury this report in some ways. Now. They're not going to be able to because in the 2018 election, we took back the power. And thank God for that, <laughs> literally. You know, but we need to make our voice heard. It is rapid response time. So get out there, whatever it is. If you're an organizer, contact me because I, I, I want to help in any way I can. Whether it's in the streets or online, we need to see the Mueller report. And we need to know what happened. Because here's the thing. And this is the other thing I was thinking about today. We, the people, right? 
That's the phrase that that's the phrase that started this country basically. So Donald Trump and William Barr and all these other people who were who were power, you know, they think they think that they can control this country. They can control us. That's crazy. No, this is our country. We the people, right? And even at the voting booth, does William Barr's vote matter more than yours? No. We had the same vote. So we need to get out there because while the Democrats are going to do their very best, their very best to get that report, it is it is mass demonstrations and just the entire country coming together that can force that report and force the truth. This is the moment, I'm telling you. Even the Protect Mallory rally or whatever, all the times you've been out there in the streets, this is the time, Right. So that's where we need to go from here. Rapid response. You know, we the people. And seriously, if somebody is doing that or knows where this is going on or organizing it or at least where I can look for it, let me know. And of course, I'm going to uh, promote it on the show. I mean, that <laughs> that bar, whatever it is, you know, it's crazy. Why, why don't you just have Sean Hannity write his summary? Because that's what happened today. A Trump supporter who was hired to hide the truth did what he was told. He, that's what he did. I, you know, I, why Matt Whitaker didn't work out better for these guys, that I'm curious. I still don't know because this felt more like a Whitaker thing. But maybe they needed this institutionalist to put a better face on the, uh, you know, on the scam. So, you know, if you, again, if you read through that, the three-page, four-page document, it it says all this stuff that, of course, Russia, yes, hacked the election and this. And then it just says, but Donald Trump had nothing to do with it. Right. So, right. So Russia did all these things. And then the entire Trump campaign <laughs> was just randomly associating with 8,000 Russians. But of course, those two things had nothing to do with each other. And if you are a lawyer and have an opinion on this, what happened today, as you know, it's Mueller Time Podcast at Gmail. Otherwise, I think uh, we just have to move forward and see what and you see what happens. And by the way, Paul Manafort is still in jail right now, right? Roger Stone's trial is coming up in um, November, right? Which is more perplexing stuff. So all these things happened, but the report came out. And I don't want to think or even say what what I'm afraid of might have happened that, yeah, I'm not even going to say it, but what I think is that we just need to move forward here. Okay. Um, you know, I also want to take a quick moment just to say Mueller time podcast hit the charts in Nigeria, number 23, uh, news and politics. I think that is so cool. So I just want to thank you guys. It blows my mind to this day, the power of technology and for all these things that have happened, it really is true. If not for Donald Trump, and this is the funny part, I mean, even he says stuff like this, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't have purchased this equipment and taught myself, you know, how to, how to podcast. And as we've learned th- from this, this um, as we've learned through what happened with Facebook and our election, how technology can be so dangerous, here's the other side of it. A voice can go halfway across the world and maybe make someone laugh or just teach him something or maybe say something wrong and then I will receive an angry email. But whatever it is, it's kind of cool. 
it's it's really cool. So I do want to thank uh, my friends of this show in Nigeria, another place I've never been. I'd love to go. I've actually never been to Africa at all, and I think that would be so cool to go there. I've spent a lot of time in Europe and uh, Eastern Europe and places like that. But So thank you guys very much. Um, oh, I also want to say real quick, today might be not quite as long. It's been a very, very long week for me. And uh, today I was working on a video interview that we did. So again, I, I don't usually say things like that, but that's just what I want to put out there. I really need um, a drink or <laughs> something. I just need to go out and just, just I, I need to do something uh, outside of Muller, recreational, cup of coffee. I don't care what it is. Just, it's probably going to be a whiskey though, right? And I'm, as everyone who knows me knows, I'm not a drinker which is always like kind of the funny thing. I'll have one or two. On the Muller Time Podcast YouTube page um, or on Facebook too, I was very proud to interview a man named Daryl Lamont Jenkins. Uh, and you can go there and check it out. It's on Facebook too. And uh, Daryl is the founder of what's called the One People's Project. And Daryl is one of the, in our in this country, he's one of the the longest and most well-known, uh, he fights white supremacists, right? And he does face them down along with his group, sometimes in the streets. Although as he made very clear to me, uh, he doesn't advocate any kind of, you know, violence, that kind of thing, unless of course, self-defense. But mostly what Daryl does is Daryl is an online sleuth. He and his group find out who these people are and they expose them. Uh, the, the motto of his group is hate has consequences. So I was one night I was watching Netflix and there was this documentary on, which is called Alt Right Day of I think it's called Alt Right Day of Day of Rage, or Age of Rage, and it's a documentary about what happened in Charlottesville under this, of course, again the Trump administration. So I started watching it and Daryl comes on the screen and he's just a very engaging and interesting guy. Contrast that to the the other part of the documentary is these white supremacists, like um, I, you know I hate even saying these people's names because what's the point? But it's like yeah, Richard Spencer, Jared Taylor, whatever, who just aren't, aren't besides being dangerous, they're not they're not good on television, right? Probably because they're not good people. That often is those things often go together in in my, in my opinion, especially in a reality kind of setting. So anyway. I contacted Daryl and we did a long interview. I, I was especially interested in the Trump administration and what the changes that that he's seen. And as being that he's been on the ground doing this for so long, he basically straight up told me that he had. Yes, I, I think he said that it. What from what he's seen, it's always been kind of the same. But yes, the statistics show it's up. But from his perspective, dealing with these people, it's just. Maybe there's been a little more of emboldening, but of course, yes, statistics show hate crimes are up everywhere. Uh, Daryl was also in Charlottesville, which I believe when the uh, sordid history of this administration is is shown or told, that's really going to stand out. A night where a major American city was not, it was like a state of nature. It was a free-for-all. Neo-Nazis descended on it. And, you know, Daryl is one of the few public faces of what's called uh, Antifa or Antifa. I've never been sure how to pronounce that. And, you know, it was interesting. I, uh, 
you know, actually our whole interview was sort of interesting because the more I do this kind of thing, you, you know, you learn as you go. And so, you know, with Skype, we had a few technical issues, which are always incredibly annoying to me as a podcaster. But beyond that, we, we opened up by, I was saying, Hey, are you guys still in Philly? Cause I thought his organization was there. And he tells me, no, we just moved to New Jersey, which is where I'm from, by the way. And he said, you know, Daryl for protection carries a concealed, uh, you know, a firearm, which is understandable given the people that he deals with, but New Jersey's very strict. So anyway, we start talking about gun laws and he had a perspective that, you know, that I don't agree with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm much more pro gun control. So that's not what I thought we were going to be talking about. And it just, this is not really necessarily related to the show, but I just thought it was interesting how, as you learn anything in life, you kind of, I'm learning more and more what to do when something happens in a conversation that I didn't expect. So we had a little conversation about that. And then I moved it back to what, you know, I wanted to talk about. And I, you know, it does give me a little more of a, I have a new respect of people that we all watch on TV when something gets flubbed, you know, in your mind, you're always judging, you know, should I move them that way, this way? But I think ultimately as an interviewer, and especially as if you have a platform, ultimately, if something happens that you didn't expect, you have to hold those accountable. Now in this, we had a great conversation and it really was. It's one of my favorite interviews, but I think at some point on the Muller Time podcast, I'll probably have a much, you know, I'll have a combative interview with somebody and I'm just going to remember what I learned on this interview that how you... You, you choose what to talk about and what not to talk about. Uh, someone actually reached out to me and said, you know, have you thought about, I guess you would say purely for ratings, how to, you know, bringing people in, e.g., i.e. Trump supporters, whatever. And I've never wanted to do that on this show because I never wanted this to become a crossfire thing. Like remember with the whole John Stewart thing, I just, I've never liked that kind of thing. But the de- you know the devil's advocate position is that could bring people into the show and especially if i make them if i uh, quote unquote state my point of view much better you know who knows so what i'll say is if there's anybody you think you want me to interview good or or somebody you, somebody you like somebody you don't like uh really podcast at gmail i will i'll contact anybody so literally uh, and and I think that makes the show more interesting. It's, then it becomes not just me, but me and you, right? So I, I really do want to hear from you. I always put that out there. You guys send me all kinds of emails, Muller Time Podcast at Gmail, or uh, Twitter is Muller Time Pod, Facebook, Muller Time Podcast. Uh, you have all the links. And um, yeah, once again, that was uh, check out my interview with Daryl Lamont Jenkins. Hate has consequences. And hate should have consequences. Uh, you know, the, the last thing I'll say about that interview is that one of the things I talked about with him, and that's an un... It's, it's somewhat explored in the national media, but not much, is that this is... White supremacists control our White House. That's just a fact. Donald Trump is a white supremacist. He has in numerous times stated... It's not like the guy like wears the white hood or anything... But in numerous times, there's numerous examples of not only his policies, like a border wall and things like that, but he believes that white people are superior. Remember when he bashed, uh, you know, all those countries and, you know, Africa and places like that? Uh, He also has bizarre conspiracy theories, like he believes that 
I mean, he just, he thinks that he's better than everybody. That's what a white supremacist is. And he thinks white people are better. Uh, Stephen Miller and all these examples of these people throwing up that, uh, that okay sign, which is a, which is a hate symbol, right? They don't want you to think it is, but it is. And the border wall, this is an administration of white supremacists. And I'm surprised that one of the big papers like the times or the post, I mean, you know, you can look this stuff up. There was an intern. He was there for like a month and he's throwing up that okay sign in the intern photo. You know, at what point when things have happened a hundred times, when someone's shown you who they are, do you kind of just step back and say, Hey, I think we should, you know, look at this and cover it. So I know you have to be careful when you say things about people, but Stephen Miller was friends with Richard Spencer, the probably the one of the most famous white supremacists in this country. They went to Duke together. So give me a break. Um, I want to say on a really positive note, something genuinely amazing did happen on Saturday. Okay. You know, I said this was going to be shorter, but it looks like it actually might be the same length, which is kind of cool in a way. I, the Mueller report whole thing really kind of, and there was a lot to talk about there, even though we haven't seen the Mueller report, but you get it. So I went to a Bernie Sanders rally. Now let me preface this by saying a few things. I've been, in, I've been like involved in politics all my life. I've a long time. I've, I've volunteered on, uh, every political campaign with the exception of the Clinton campaign. I just, I mean, when I say everyone, I believe Gore, definitely Kerry, Obama. So, but I can't remember the last time I went to a rally and I, while I do admire him, I did not vote for Bernie Sanders in the last election. It was not anything I had against Bernie Sanders. I just, like a lot of Americans, I made what was now, I acknowledge the wrong choice that I made. I have a philosophy, philosophy degree. I think about logic a lot. I like to think it as much as possible. I try to take my own emotions out of decisions and just sometimes I'll even write things down, you know, pros and cons. So I thought that she had a better chance against Donald Trump. Now I was wrong in retrospect. I of course believe now that Mr. Sanders, Senator Sanders could have pulled enough votes in those swing States because he has a true, you know, populist message and, what I learned from that experience is that I'm not going to make the same mistake the next time around. So what I mean is that in this election, I will, of course, absolutely vote for the Democratic candidate, as does any sane person, whoever it is. I'm voting for them, right? Because we're not voting for the Republican, right? Because there's, it, it's very sad to say, like, I don't even like saying that because I want to be able to vote for the best candidate, right? Like if there was a Republican running, like let's say, I don't know, John Huntsman, right? I may not agree with him on things, but I would never be worried about a guy like that, an experienced diplomat in the White House. But those guys can't win the nomination anymore. It's so it's, it's, it, you either vote for the Democrat or you vote for a lunatic, right? So what I learned is that while I'm absolutely going to vote for the Democrat um, in a primary I'm no longer just going to make the safe choice, right? And I'm in California, so most of the time it your vote it's sad to say, but it doesn't matter as much. So I'm going to the decision I made was to get involved right away. 
So that's why I've spent so much time. And that's why I went to the Bernie. Um, that's why I went to the Bernie Sanders rally. I saw I was going to be in LA and I, um, thought about calling some friends, but I was like, no, you know what? I'm just going down there. Uh, so again, let me preface this by saying that I can't remember the last time I went to any candidates rally. I'm not sure why I just, I just, that's never did that kind of thing. And I didn't vote for Bernie. So this is why I think it's so valuable to go to these rallies. And you guys may have gone, you may be going all the time, but if you haven't, uh, see these candidates in person. And the reason what I learned was that it's not so much about what they're saying, although Bernie did give a great speech. It's about the people that were there. There were, there must've been at least 5,000 people there. This is, this is two years before the, <laughs> or whatever it's the, the election is pretty far off. Um, although not coming soon enough for obvious reasons. There was this vibe there that was like, I mean, these people and his supporters, they're so um, like motivated and positive. And again, I guess I'm, this probably sounds like the most obvious thing in the world to the guy, people who voted for him, but I haven't seen something like that in a long time. And, um, you know, what I... Um, I went to the rally and I ran into a friend of mine who's appeared on this show a few times named Jeremy and he worked for Barack Obama and he was telling me we were talking about a couple things and how I want to work for, you know, one of the candidates and stuff like that. And he was like, he's like, pay close attention to what you're seeing here. Cause he told me when he was on the road uh, with Obama in the first campaign or they were, you know, the campaign was going on. He's like, we didn't draw this many people. So Bernie came out and he gave a, he opened with a little part about the Mueller report. He then gives what was really a great speech. I mean, this guy talks for 90 minutes or something by, it was, or two hours. It was, it was insane. And there was just a really positive vibe there. I mean, I could feel it. So while I have my, there's certain things I don't necessarily agree with, with, with Bernie Sanders and even some things I have reservations about. What my friend Jeremy said to me stood out. He said, remember this, because this is how you win an election. There's there's some candidates that just, I don't know, there's other ones that just don't motivate people, but he has something. And some of us may not agree with everything. We may love him, but that's something to remember. Whoever we vote for has got, hopefully, to have that thing, right? I also think Beto has that thing. I think... Um, I think Elizabeth Warren has that type of charisma. So we may not always agree with these people. Maybe some of them, like Beto, are considered a little green, you know. But it's in some ways, it's a zero-sum game, right? We have to win this thing. So I was really glad to be there. I, I got some pictures up on the Muller Time Podcast Instagram. I'll put a little more up. Again, this may sound like the most obvious thing in the world for those of you who, you know, supported him and all that. But to me, it wasn't. It was something that I saw for the first time that I haven't seen. Um, so really, really cool. And I don't, I haven't picked a candidate yet, but I'm going to look for a feeling like that when I do. And he, he, he really did give a great speech. Um, I mean, it, and just the mood there was positive. It made me wonder too. I wonder what the mood like is, is at these Trump rallies. And I think in some ways Trump fulfills a, um, Trump, I think, fulfills a need in those supporters where I think sometimes they feel good in a, in a strange way. It's 
it's, it's a reaction that could mirror what people like, like I felt, but it's, it's a dark energy. It's not a, it's not a good energy. It's, it's about disliking other people, putting other people down. And it's like a temporary high, right? It's like doing some kind of drug that the next day leaves you worse off. Like I, I just, that kind of energy is just bad for people. So, uh, it was, it was really cool. And I, uh, you know, I, whenever I go to these things, I always, I hope he does well. I, I really do. And, um, you know, I'll be, uh, I'll be watching that closely. So, you know, it is funny too. When I posted some of those things about Bernie, and even before, when occasionally I mentioned him, sometimes like online type of trolls, they, they look at my picture and they always call me like, you know, it's the derogatory slur, the Bernie bro. That's always funny to me because I like, I didn't vote for him. So I guess, I guess, cause I'm like the white dude. That's, I don't know. I think all that online trolling stuff is just such a waste of time in general. Like, okay. Like somebody I had, I used the hashtag Bernie 2020 because so more people would see it. And some, some girl wrote Warren 2020. And I was like, yeah, I don't have any problem with that. Like you're not making me upset. I think Elizabeth Warren is awesome. Like I actually, till I went to this rally, I thought that she might be my candidate. So I would absolutely vote for Elizabeth Warren, who I think has just as much charisma and a similar, uh, you know, platform, that kind of thing. And I'd also like to take a brief segue to say, again, this is national emergency day 40. I know a lot of you are very upset, even though Trump spent the weekend at the golf course. So again, I want to put this out there. We are in a national emergency, and if you want, you can call 202-456-1111. That is the White House line. And just tell them the Mueller Time Podcast asks you to call and say, what can I do? What can I do to, in this in this crazy time, you know, what does President Trump, <laughs> I shouldn't say that phrase, I hate it. What does he want me to do? Um, now, I posted an article on the Mueller Time Podcast uh, Facebook page, and I got around. Reveal is a superb investigative journalist uh, organization that I wasn't really familiar with till recently, but they are as good as anybody. And I hope to interview some of them. They Reveal has a scoop that uh, there are, the Trump administration has black sites, uh, clandestine sites, whatever word you want to use, where some of the kids that they have taken from their parents, they're hiding them. So part, I, they're hiding kids. They're doing a lot of bad stuff anyway. But beyond that, these the places where the kids are that they've taken from their parents were at least known. The facilities were known. Like people know where they are, the physical locations. So Reveal, Reveal found out that there's a bunch of them that are clandestine or as they call them black sites, which I think is an appropriate word. That word is mostly used to describe sites where uh, Americans would take prisoners of war to be tortured. But unfortunately, I think these sites have a, unfortunately a, a similarity in some ways. And they won't even tell the kids' lawyers where they are. This is happening right now in America. They The excuse that they give is that some of the kids uh, need to go to these special facilities because they have they have pre-existing you know conditions, as they would say, or problems. Bullshit, right? Then why are they a secret? Uh, I can't believe this is happening. I, I was literally reading this article. I'm dumbfounded. Right here on American soil, 
they said one of the, they said one or two of the facilities is considered okay. It has a decent track record with the government, whatever, and that 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 could be true. But a bunch of them don't. They're terrible places. And the big picture is, if this stuff was legit, which of course we know it's not, why are you keeping it a secret, right? If it was if it was fine, you would tell the kid's lawyer where the where the kid is. So they're lying. And we, again, that's why it's so important that we stay active. Even what happened today with the Mueller, uh, the, the bar memo, it's, it's about the big picture, about stopping the Trump presidency, that they're doing these things. So that's why we all have to stay motivated, and we are. Uh, Reveal.com. I mean, these guys are great, and it looks like a pretty small staff. And I think I saw one was in San Francisco and one was in Dallas. And if I hadn't already lined up my interview for this week, uh, I probably would have hit them up, but I'm going to, I don't want to overload myself. So I've, I've got it down to one podcast on Sunday and then now I'm doing an interview on Friday. So uh, for one person, that's a fair amount. Um, I often wonder how these people do things on TV. And then of course you realize they have a staff of 900 people, which is, which is, which is really helpful. Now, I also did something that I've never done before. I That story I found so, it fired me up so much that I found the email for the media uh, relations arm for the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be on their watch list anytime now, given their <laughs> who these people are. So I sent them a very uh, professional email. Again, I'm not a journalist, but I really was, that story was upsetting. So I sent him an email. I told him who I am from the Mother Time Podcast. Do you have a comment? Basically, I was just like imitating journalists I know. And I got a response the next morning. It was uh, a boilerplate response. A copied from clearly a press release. Clearly they, I guess, and you know, I could, you could, it made me in a way think about what a grind journalism is in a way. Like you, I assume when you're a journalist, you have to do that. That's step one, get a comment. But, and you know, that's going to be some BS like that. So, you know, all I can say is about that is that I hope the Democrats are on, I know they're on top of that issue, but we have got to get these kids out of these facilities. This is a crime. This is a war crime. It really is. I mean, these people should be before the Hague for what they're doing, taking kids from their, from their mothers and fathers, but we got to stay positive and we can. And, you know, the other, other thing I'll say about that is that, you know, whether you, no matter what you accomplish, if I was one of those kids, some years from now, I'd want to know, I would at least want to know that somebody, that people, there were good people who tried to help, right? Somebody's, and I know a lot of people are looking out for these kids. There's all these great attorneys and immigration people, but that's why this is important. Sometimes it's about making the effort, whether you are able to help or not, but you wouldn't want to know that it was just nobody was, was listening. That's, you know, that would just be wrong. And I just want to say if anyone from Reveal is listening, that was an amazing story. And that's what investigative journalism is all about, really. Um, one more pitch, and I'm going to be wrapping things up shortly. Uh, I'm actually amazed I was able to go this long. <laughs> then again, I'm watching Bernie Sanders, a what is he, a 75-year-old man? I mean, this guy, this guy must have the energy of, I mean, you could tell he believes in what he's saying. 
because this guy's 75 years old. I mean, I think he has more energy than most 20-year-olds, at least people I've known or when I was 20. Unbelievable. And, the, you know, the other thing about that thing, that crowd, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not making this up. On my right, on my left, was a father and his two-year-old son who was sitting on his shoulders, and which is really cool. Take your kid to, you know, exposing them to, to that kind of positive environment and politics. And on my right was a, an older, uh, much older Hispanic gentleman who was, uh, looked to be by himself. And I mean, there was, he, whether you agree with him or disagree with him or like his policies or not, that's a powerful thing to be able to bring out a coalition of people. And Bernie, I think can pull a lot of votes from in these populist areas. In fact, one friend I have who's a Republican he, very conservative guy, he liked Bernie. And he actually told me, and he, he wasn't saying that to placate me or anything. He was, he was absolutely serious. He's, he lives in Ohio. And he's like, you know what? I can vote for him. And then Bernie didn't get the nomination. So anyway, uh, that, was some, that was something really interesting. Uh, what I wanted to say was that I'm, I want to get involved in a campaign and not just I mean, absolutely with this podcast, but I'd like to use my skills really to help. So if anyone is on one of these campaigns, staffing up, that's something that I'm absolutely open to. Speech writing, uh, media relations, uh, strategy, whatever. Just putting that out there. If anyone is, uh, I've contacted a few campaigns already. Elizabeth Warren, Senator Sanders, Beto. So just want to put that out there. Uh and then, and one more thing, this would have been more humorous if not for, <laughs> if not for the fake bar report that came out today. I think the Republicans really would have loved this. It looks like the, about 9,000 Republicans have been indicted in this Mueller investigation. And now it looks like one Democrat maybe, right? So that's Greg Craig. He was a White House lawyer under Obama. And let me just say too, this is what differ I think this is what differentiates us from them, right? I read that and the first thing I thought was, if this guy's a crook, he needs to go to jail. Like I could care less if this guy's a Democrat. It means nothing to me at all. Because it's about the truth. Whereas look at them. There's people still standing up for Mike Flynn with putting three stars next to their Twitter avatar. It's like, really? So anyway, Greg Craig did work for Manafort. And I think you could kind of tell what happened was that when Manafort and Gates were arrested, I'm sure it was Gates. Gates gave up this guy, Greg Craig, who did work uh, illegal or unregistered lobbying for this president of the Ukraine. So he is wrapped up in this in a big way. So Greg, the reason I brought it up was that Greg Craig's case in what most journalists say, um, is a sort of an ominous sign for him has been transferred from one court in, I think, New York to a specialized unit in the Justice Department that specifically this is what they do. And the guy who's the head of that committee, that department is Brandon Van Grack, who just left Mueller's team. So in other words, Greg Craig has some real problems. And I think William Barr being in charge probably is not going to help because the Justice Department is, unfortunately, as we've seen, is 
political. So anyway, it looks like this uh, longtime lawyer who worked for Obama and also worked for Clinton probably is going to get indicted. So that was just a interesting, uh, you know, part of the week, and we'll see what happens. Um, otherwise, as always, if anyone has any suggestions or something they want to talk about, again, stay positive. Really, a lot more is to come. And remember, aside from Trump, Russia, there are about 17 investigations into this president. So they may be taking their fake victory lap, but all the doors are leading to the same place, right? All the doors lead to the same place with these people. And that's jail. That's the prison cell, right? So let's just keep that in mind, okay? Uh, Southern District of New York, the the uh, New York State Attorney General, right? Otherwise, as always, uh, we're on Muller Time Podcast at Gmail. If there's anything you want to talk to me about, uh, Muller Time Pod on Twitter. If you want to support the show, again, it's Muller Time. It's uh, patreon.com backslash Muller Time. And uh, we even keep a $1 tier for, you know, that's 12, that's 12 bucks a year. Like you, you spent more than that, I don't know, on some silly thing. So it really does help us do this show. And, you know, the more we can do, the more we can travel. There's a Democratic convention coming up. And, you know, I want to be there, among other things. So the more content I can produce, which is what I love to do. So it's it's on the Patreon site. Uh, Muller Time Podcast is also on Instagram. And, of course, Muller Time Podcast on Facebook. Otherwise, as always, I will talk to you guys next week. 